Okay. The parish the name of the parish is Shmini. Name of the parish is Shmini. I want to just remind you that uh, the parashiyot of Vayikra and Tzav that we missed, the Shia missed the parashiyot of Vayikra and Tzav are basically uh, an education, like how the Korbanot are given. Like if you roughly divide the Korbanot into, you know, general Korbanot for the Tzibur and personal Korbanot that individuals bring, and then the Korbanot that the Kohen has to bring, say, Anyom HaKippurim, so you, be, you have all of the different kinds of carbonate, and all of that are, is discussed or presented in the parashiyot of Vayikra and Tzav. So if the end of the book of Shemot is about the building of the Mishkan, right, the next thing that has to be done after the Mishkan is built is you have to know what to do. So that's Vayikra and Tzav. Shmini is the parasha that describes how it all got going, how it started. And uh, it starts with the words, or it starts with the words, the parish starts with the words in the first pasuk, Vayihi Bayom Hashmini. Hashmini means the special Shmini, which comes after seven days. What happened during the seven days? It's not clearly described in the Torah, but we all know we all know that there was Sheva Shiva Yemei Miluim. Miluim is a Hebrew word, a simple Hebrew word, which is the same as the word Malay, full, right? So Yemei Miluim are called Yemei Miluim, and now I'll give you several suggestions. One is that Moshe Rabbeinu put up the Mishkan, on each of those seven days, you know, it was all Lego, the Mishkan, so you could put it up, and then he filled it with everything that it should be filled with, uh, the Aron and the Mizbeach and the Kalim, all of that was done on every one of the seven days that are called Miluim. I mean, that's a good, that's a good explanation. You know, that, uh, that Miluim has to do with Limalot, to fill up to fill up the space, fill up the space, that's, that's, uh, that's Miluim. So for seven days, the seven days, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu filled up the Mishkan, he put it up, he filled it up, he did the daily service in the Mishkan, right, all that was done by Moshe Rabbeinu, right, and then he took it down again. And then he took it down, and the second day of Miluim began. We did the same thing. He put up the walls, and he filled it in, as you know, as uh, as was supposed to happen. And the sheets are, are over there, uh, as was supposed to happen. And this went on for seven days, and then Vayihi So we're now up to this. Why Moshe Rabbeinu did it for seven days? Why seven? Why that one? I mean, this is not explained clearly. But, if we assume that during those seven days, everybody, Aharon, his children, Am Yisrael, learned about how the Mishkan was going to function. They learned about the Korbanot, who gave them, when they were given, which parts were eaten, etc. So, we have an educational reason. Right, so you go 
from the end of the book of Shemot, which was the building of the Mishkan itself, the beginning of the book of Ayikra, Pashat of Ayikra itself, which described the Korbanot, the different types of Korbanot, and what you do with them in a kind of halachic manner. And then the parish of Shmini, which describes to us how the Mishkan became the property of Aaron HaKohen. How Aaron HaKohen got involved and how the thing started. So, the Hibiyama Shmini means there were seven days of Miluim. Days of Miluim are days that Moshe already put up the Mishkan filled in, put in all the things in place, then took them down again, and we get to the eighth day. So, Rahiba Yom Hashmini. So, we'll look at the Psukim quickly, where, yeah. Is there an educational purpose in, in dismantling it and putting it up again? You talk to say the lady? I mean, you could, you could say something about it, but it doesn't say it in the Torah. There's no way to understand. Uh, I mean, we, we will perhaps be able to theorize when I finish. But it, it doesn't help us, right? There's no one wants to tell us why Moshe Rabbeinu did it this way. In the, in, in the old days, they used to have, um, you know, when you bought a car, you had to drive it. Somebody had to drive it for, uh, so what is it, drive it to Haifa? It was like a sort of a test. You run in the car. They don't do that anymore. But I guess it's, it's uh, like similar to the, like, you don't really think it's there until you put it up and take it down and put it up again. So in any event, it says, Vahibi Yomashvini, Karam Moshe Laharon Olivan Abzik Be'Yisrael, a new feature. Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to Aaron and to his children. Vayom el Aaron, Kachlecha Ego Ben Bakalecha Taz Vayel Oma Tmimin. So he tells him what he should do, what korbanot he is to bring. So first there's an Olah. Olah is a sacrifice that is completely consumed. And he said, then there's a Chatat, a sin offering. So, so this is what he's telling him. So B'nai Yisrael also bring a chatat, a sin offering, and an olah, which I think in English is called a burnt offering. You know, uh, it's completely burnt on the on the mizbeach. Pasuk David, v'shor v'ayel shlamim. Shlamim are other kinds of sacrifices. Lizboch with me Hashem u'menchav lulav Hashem ki ayom Hashem nir'alechem. So here is what Moshe Rabbeinu is saying to B'nai Israel. Let's get going. Everybody's going to play their part. For seven days you saw me do this. Now you're going to do it. And the sons of Aaron are going to do it. And the reason that you're going to do this is Ki Hayom Hashem Alechem. Now, clearly, I don't know what that means. But we say that God will appear before you. That means that something wondrous is going to happen. Something miraculous is going to happen if you follow my instructions. Pasuk hey, Vayichuet Asher Siva Moshe Avdunei Or Moed Vayikrevu Al Kol Haida Vayamdu Lifnei Hashem. So they did it. Not a whimper. 
Rabbeinu. They did exactly what Moshe Rabbeinu said. Pasuk Vav. Vayomer Moshe ze hadavar asher tziva Hashem ta'atsu this that I am telling you do it and what will happen? Vayira alechem kivod Hashem Vayira alechem akvod Hashem of course is an allusion to Matan Torah right when was it that everybody was aware of kavod Hashem right the glory God's glory right glory is like a word that no one ever stopped to say what does that mean because we all know what that means but kavod Hashem that's what the, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu is offering Vayera Alechem Kavod Hashem you do what I tell you and you're going to get back to to Matan Torah. This, of course, is a remarkable idea because in between this day, the Yom HaShmini, which is the eighth day of Nisan, and Kavod Hashem and Har Sinai was Egel Hazahav. That took place in between. So when Moshe Rabbeinu says, Vayera Alechem Kavod Hashem, it's like he's saying, we'll let bygones be bygones. But this bygone is a pretty serious bygone. Nevertheless, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Vayiralichem, Kivod Hashem, you're going to go back to Matan Torah. Vayomer Moshe el Aaron, Kirabal Mizbeach, Wasayet Chatatcha, Vayiralotera. So there's a kind of a little bit of repetition. And these other psukim, like say, what they say is that Moshe told Aaron, Aaron did it. Moshe told B'nai Israel, B'nai Israel did it. They all did. There is this idea. There is this idea that everybody involved in the Mishkan, everybody involved with the Mizbeach, later on brings all of the possible korbanot that can be brought. So Chatas and Ola, Shlomim, and a, and a, uh, a Mincha, right? They sort of like cover all of the, almost all of the bases. So then you skip. You skip until... Uh, until Pasuk Kafbet. These Sukim in between describe how Aaron and Bnei Yisrael did what they were commanded to do. Now look Kafbet. Pasuk Kafbet. Pasuk Kafbet. Vayisa Aaron et Yado El Ha'am Vayivarchem. Should I read that again? I got so excited about it the first time. Vaisa Aaron et Yado or Yadav right? The Kriya Uksi. Vaisa Aaron et Yadav You ever see a Kohen do that? Right? In Eretz Yisrael you see it pretty often. I mean not like a Chutzlar it was always an exciting moment. And then it just sort of told me, what, what again? You know, like, they said no end to it. So, when uh, he saw Aaron at Yadav, he picked up his head, El Ha'am Vayivarachem. So, if you were like critical readers, what would you say? What would you say, based on what we were talking about before? Did Moshe Rabbeinu command Aaron to do this? Is that part of the deal? To the best of my knowledge, it's not. Of course, you could say 
that there are things that Moshe Rabbeinu told Aaron that are not written in the Torah. Like the Torah writes that Aaron was commanded to did Korban A, Korban B, Korban C, and he did it. It doesn't say that he was commanded to bless the people. It's not clear that that has anything to do with what's going on here today. But Aaron did it. By Vachem, Vayered, Another, like, problem word, Vayered. What does Vayered mean? He went down. He went down. Why do you go down? He went out. Isn't that what the Torah means to say? He finished. He finished his part. He raised his hands. He blessed the people. And he left. Why does the Pesach say Vayered? So if we look at the Rashi, the Rashi is here at the bottom, under the Chumash, Huh? Okay. If you look at Pasuk Vav, which we uh, which we read together, Vayomer Moshe Zadavash Tzivah Hashem Ta'asem Vayirah Lachem Kivod Hashem Pasuk Zayin Vayomer Moshe El Aharon Krav El HaMizbeach Ta'asem Come close to the Mizbeach and do what I told you to do. Why does the Torah have to say, come close to the Mizbeach. Of course, if you get a carbon Olaf, he's got to go to the Mizbeach. I mean, you don't have to say, go to the Mizbeach. It was all understood. So Rashi says, grab the Mizbeach. Shaya Aaron Bosh V'yarela Geshet Amarlo Moshe Lamata Bosh Lekach Nifcharta So here from this Rashi, but this Rashi, we learn that there's a way of explaining this story in these psukis, in which Aaron Akolin is not simply a function. He does not simply function as a Kohen. Nameless, faceless. He does what a Kohen is supposed to do. Aaron Akolin. But that Aaron Akolin is also a person. He's also a person and he has fears and suspicious about what is going on. And his main fear is, his main fear that even though Moshe Abedin told him to do it, he's not going to be able to do it properly. Because, because look what happened at the Ego. I, mean, I don't know what happened at the Ego. But apparently, at least it looked as though, Aaron Akon was somehow involved. Maybe it was a misconception on his part. Maybe he made a mistake in thinking that Moshe Abedin would return before anything would happen. But certainly there was some level of involvement between Aaron Akolin and the people who built the Egel Azahab, the golden calf. And so now, it's not so surprising if Aaron Akolin, the person, is a little worried about whether he's going to be able to fulfill the command that Moshe Rabbeinu is giving him. Then Rashi goes on, the next, the next Rashi on the page is the Apostle Cut Bed. Again, Pasuk Abed, we ask the question, El What is this bracha? What is this bracha that Aaron HaKohen is giving to B'nai Yisrael? Rashi says, So there you have it. Simple. Simple as could be. Aaron HaKohen decided, even though he hadn't been specifically commanded, at least in the Torah, there is no 
specific command mentioned to Aaron Cohen that he should bless the people when he finishes doing whatever he's been told to do, he thought that he should do it. And he knew that there was a bracha that was appropriate. And what is the bracha that was appropriate? What we call Birkat Kohanim, which contains three psukim, which Rashi mentions. Rashi says he knew the nusach. It wasn't a bracha. It wasn't some old bracha that he thought of on the spot. But it was a divinely inspired bracha to which we look at the Ramban, right next to Rashi, and the Ramban says, Brachot Kohanim, blah, 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 Lashon Rashi. In Cain, Parashat, Daber, Laron, Velbanav, Lemor, Kotevachot, Bnei Yisrael, Shebechumash, Apchudim, Pchudim, Yisrael. Chumash, Pchudim, is Bamidbar. The book of Bamidbar is called Pchudim, because Bnei Yisrael accounted several times in the book of Bamidbar. So, it says, uh, it says, let's go back a, a line. Kodu Vachud Bnei Yisrael, so it says in Bamidbar, Shebechumash HaPchudim, Mokdemet Lazet. In other words, the Ramban says, since the introductory words in Bamidbar are directed to Aaron and Banav, and it says, it sounds like they never heard of it before that time. In other this thing that we call Birkat Kohanim was invented for Bnei Yisrael at a later time. I forgot it could have been there all the time. But when did Bnei Yisrael find out that there was such a thing as Birkat Kohanim? They found out about it in Bamidbar, not in Rayikra. So how could Rashi say, that's Rabban's question, how could Rashi say that they said Birkat Kohanim? I don't know, this is a question. Maybe Moshe Rabbeinu snuck it into him on the fly. I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu might have known the bracha. What? Oh, so look, very good. He smuchale mashne musham vayibi yom kalot Moshe lakim. I'm sorry. Let's go back. Kol tevachud bnei Yisrael shavuchum ashap kudim mukdem it was it. So that would be earlier than this. Ruhlai kainu ki smuchale mashne emar vayibi yom kalot Moshe lakim et mishkan because all of them be in David Bar, the Psukim of Birkat Kohanim comes somehow close to another postage that says when Moshe Rabbeinu finished, uh, finished building the Mishkan. Ki Aaron teresh b'fiv k'fiv ha-shamayim u-berechad Hashem kasher asa shlomo. I'm sorry, v'yitachem lomar. You see those words, v'yitachem lomar? He says, he's saying a svor. He's saying, I'll say a svor. The Aaron parash the thief. I said parash kapava shabayim or berechad Hashem. I said Hashem Shlomo because we all know that when Shlomo Melch built the Beit Hamikdash, he also made a bracha. But that bracha is not specific. It's a general bracha. Parash kapava shabayim berechad Hashem. I said Shlomo shneimar vayamot Shlomo lifnei mizbach Hashem. By Ifrosh Kapav Hashamayim, 
Visham, you see Pasuk, if you turn over the page, I think it's here. You see Pasuk? Pasuk Nun Hey. You see there, one to the third source from the top. Pasuk Nun Hey says, Vayamod, Vayvaret et Kol Kahal Yisrael, Kol Gadol Eimor. Baruch Hashem Hashem Etan Menuchal Abo Yisrael, Kol Hashem Diber. So that bracha of Shlomo Amelech, whose bracha is it? It's his bracha. He, Shlomo Amelech, invented it. And it's not a bracha that we say all the time. So why does, it, why does the Ramban reference it? Because he says, so how does Rashi know? How does Rashi know that it was Birgit Kohanim? Maybe it was just Stella Bracha that, that Aaron Akoli made up. Just like Shlomo made up a brach. That's the that's the Ramban's argument, so to speak, the issue that the Ramban has. Then he goes on. You see the words we the chaylo mark. He aron parak kapav shemayim b'gadol kashes Shlomo. Shneimar vayamot Shlomo lefnei mizbach Hashem liyfrosh kapav hashemayim. V'sham neimar vayamot liyvarech et kol kal Yisrael kal gadol lemor ulefikach. Lo hiskir katuv shetzivah uto Moshe l'atzot came. L'fikach, the Ramban is explaining something. L'fikach, what l'fikach? What did the Ramban prove up to now? The Ramban proved, at least to his way of thinking, that Rashi is not necessarily correct. Rashi said, what bracha? The Ramban said, oh, it could have been something that he thought of on his own. Just like Shlomo Amelech. And just like Shlomo Amelech, who told Aaron Cohen to do it? Right, he told himself. Aaron Cohen told himself, he said, geez, uh, this is a great time to, uh, to give a bracha. So I'll give a bracha. What do you have to say? It's Birkas Kahanim. Birkas Kahanim sounds like it would have to be a formal thing because since Birkas Kahanim is not mentioned, it's not mentioned until Bamidbar, how would uh, Aaron Akon have learned Birkas Kahanim? Not only if Moshe Rabbeinu taught it to him and told him this is what you should say, but it doesn't say that in the Torah. Don't say anybody in the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu taught it to him and that he would therefore say it. He said it on his own. That's what the that's what the uh, the Rabban is trying to to say. So he says, uh, "You see that brightness of parsha the miluim in the mechilta the Torah Kahanim." It says, "Raiti vayivarchem zo brachat stuma she atayoda." So I know exactly what it means, but but obviously if it's a bracha stuma, if it's a bracha that we don't know what it was, that's what a bracha stuma is. Except with Rashi says it's a bracha mitoreshet. We all know birkat koanim. The Rabban says that the Mechilta says that it's a bracha stuma. It's uh, we don't know what it's like. like we know what Shlomo Melech said because it's written in but we don't know exactly what what Aaron Cohen said. You don't know. Is it 
Although what the Medjush says it. So here the Rabban proves that the Medjush doesn't say it. But there's another half to the Medjush. There's the two parts of the Medjush. This part of the Medjush says it's Stuma. Like we don't know what it was he said. Then he continues, the Rabban says, uh, the Rabban says, the writers of Hashat Miluim, Ra'iti Ve'ibachem Zobrachat Stuma, Shiyat Ayodah, Chazakatum, Ve'irish La'alad. So the Pesach, it sounded like he did say Yivarechecha Hashem Yishvarecha. And that was explained later on. Ba'adayin yesh lanu lomah, שכך אמרו, ברכה זו שבירך ארון את העם, מעצמו סתומה היא, ולא פירש לנו הכתוב, מהי? אבל ברכה שנצטרבו הכהנים בדורות, נתפרשה. So the Rabban's conclusion is against Rashi. Rabban says, this ברכה that Aaron Akoin gave them, gave B'nai Yisrael was something that he invented on the spot. But the beer, what we call Birkat Kohanim was commanded to B'nai Yisrael, the book of Bamidbar, and ever since the Kohanim had been saying this three pasuk bracha. So Rashi, the, 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 I think the argument between Rashi and the Rabban is that the Rabban seems to think that if uh, it was the Yivarechecha it would have had to be commanded by Moshe Rabbeinu Derech HaKadosh Baruch to Moshe Rabbeinu and there is no such thing and there he prefers the idea also found in the Medrash that this was Aaron HaKohen's idea and it's a bracha stuma we don't know what it was and whatever it was uh, whatever it was I mean, he descended the bracha of so now, of course, you know, when you look at the Bachlokit like this between Rashi and the Ramban, it's important, if possible, to try to understand what's the Bachlokit about. Let's assume that everybody knows everything. Rashi, in fact, quotes exactly the same Medrash that the Ramban is quoting, but a different part of it. So he says, so they both do the same thing. So what's the Ramban, what's the Ramban so tough about? Why is he saying it can't be? It can't, it can't be? Now it could have happened somehow. What is it that the Ramban is, is moving us towards? Is helping us with? Alright. The question? So there's one more piece of information that uh, we should know before we get the answer. And then if you look at the second page, look at the second page, the second story says, Shmot, Tarek Lametet, Pasuk, Memgimu. The Pasuk says, Vayar Moshe Kolam Lacha. At the end, when they finished building the Mishkan, all the pieces, all the Lego pieces, all the parts, all the Kalim, it was all, all finished. Edam Lacha. Vine Atsu Ota Kashetzi Vashan. Kain Asu. And the great thing about this labor of building the Mishkan was that it turned out to be precisely as God directed. It was, you know, like, like here we are, right? You take the Pesach. But what are we doing Pesach? We want to eat a piece of matzah, the piece of matzah that God commanded us to eat. Right? Isn't that what we want? That's why all the Jews are like tearing at each other and saying, it's not that piece of matzah, it's this piece of matzah. 
It's not that kind of baking. It's not this. It's this kind of baking. Not, it's not a round matzah. It's a square matzah. It's a puffy matzah. It's a flat matzah. Everybody wants to have the matzah. So our experience is that, you know, it's kind of really impossible to be perfect. But what Moshe Rabbeinu is saying about the people who built the Mishkan was that they were perfect. They were perfect builders. They built exactly what Akkadish Baruch wanted to build. And the Pasuk ends with these words, Vayivarech Otam Moshe. And so Moshe gave them a bracha. Now Rashi, we're at the end of Shemot, right? Shemot, Paraglamiket, Patsudman, Mem Rashi says, Vayivarech Otam Moshe. Amar lahem. Amar lahem. Yihi ratzon shetishre shchina kumasei yedechet. Yihi ratzon shetishre shchina. When tishre shchina? That the shchina should dwell in your handiwork. When will, that's the bracha. When will the bracha hopefully come true? When? Bayom hashmini. Because what is the Yom Hashvine? If you look again, Pasuk Vav, right? Pasuk Zayim. No, Pasuk Vav. Vayom Moshe Zadavashi to Hashem Ta'asul, Vayiradechem Kivon Hashem. What does Rashi say at the end of Shemot? Rashi says, Amalahem, Yosef, Shina Bimaseyedechem. So, even, so, assuming that none of us are Kabbalists, and we don't want to try to distinguish too clearly between Shina and Kvod Hashem, but we can assume that they're more or less the same, when does the Kvod Hashem become, and when does the Shina become part of the Mishkan that was built by the Jews in the desert? By Yom Hashmini? When does the Shina become part of the, uh, of the the Mishkan that was built by the Jews in the desert? After Aaron HaKohen finishes his Avodah. But in fact, when Aaron HaKohen finished his Avodah, what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. What does the word Vayeret mean? What does the word Vayeret mean according to Rashi? He came down from a high place to a low place. What was the high place? What? The high place was the Mizbeach. Right? You remember the Mizbeach had a ramp? You walked up the ramp and you're on the Mizbeach. That's the high place. Vayered, he came down from the high place. But we know that Vayered has another meaning. Going down can be going down in anything. Going down in sanctity, going down in humility, going down in going down. Vayered. You don't have to buy yay yay from the Mizbeah. You can walk. Not the yay yay. So what happens at the end of that day, when Aaron Akolin finished doing what he had to do, it didn't happen. There was no Kodashan. Nothing changed. And so the Pusik says, you look back quickly at Pusik Kam Gimel, by Avomo Sheve Aaron. By Avom Moshe Ve'Aron, by Yeret, 
They went down. He went down. I'm sorry. By your vote? By your vote? They're going up? I mean, it doesn't say by Yahweh, because they're going into the old way. They're going into the old way. What did Chazal say? Why did Moshe and Aaron go into the old way? Because the tackle wasn't finished. What was it that Aaron had not learned during the seven days of the Avodah of Moshe Rabbeinu? What did Aaron not learn? What? No! Because it's not part of the Avodah. What part of the Avodah did he learn? He didn't learn. He, Aaron, according to not learn how to give a Ketoris. Why didn't he learn how to give a Ketoris? Ketoris is a... uh, Incense. Incense offering. Why didn't he learn how to give the incense? Because the incense was always done in the Kodesh Kodoshim. In the Holy of Holies. And who could go into the Holy of Holies? Only the Kohen Gadol. Who was the Kohen Gadol during the seven days of Miluim? Moshe Rabbeinu. So now, Chazal says, Vayovah, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, listen. There's something you're missing. Something I haven't shown you yet. I've got to show you the Torah. Come on. So that prophet says, Vayavoh Moshe, Vayavoh the Lomoed, Vayetzu. They came together. They came together because Moshe knew what to do. Aaron was going to learn. Vayetzu. When they came out, they were of equal rank. They were of equal rank because now Aaron knew what Moshe knew. Now listen. And they blessed, and they blessed the people. What was the blessing? We don't know. But certainly, certainly it makes us wonder. Again, what was that blessing that Aaron gave on his own? What was that blessing? So Rashi says, you see the Rashi? On the first page, Turn the page. Our Rashi says, the Noam Hashem Elokeinu Aleinu, the same thing. The same thing. What, what, what are these two brachot, what do these two brachot have in common? What do these two brachot have now in common? The bracha in the end of Shemot was that it should be as it should be. Meaning that even though we don't have the Shekhinah here yet, but it'll happen. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu's bracha was, that it will happen. So what's why he know Hashem Elkeinu What does that mean? That what should happen will happen. It's a bracha about the future. It's a bracha about the future. What is the future? What is the future for the Mishkan? What's the future for the Mishkan? The Beit Hamikdash. So what's the bracha of Yinom Hashem Elkeinu? That you have a Mishkan. But you could have a mikdash and a rashi. That's, that's finished the rashi. The Yehirat son, 
exactly the same as the end of Shemot. All the seven days of the Mishkan, Moshe Rabbeinu put up the Mishkan and then took it down again. Rashi says, all the seven days, nothing happened. Right? Moshe Rabbeinu put up the Mishkan and take down the Mishkan. But they were all the same. Everything was the same. Hayu Yisrael nechlamim v'omim as the Jews were embarrassed. And they said, they said to Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu, kol ha-torach sh'ratarach lo, sh'tishre shchina b'neinu, v'nei dashini kapel l'anuavon ha-egel, all this hard work that we invested, just to get to the point would be a mishkan. And we would know that God has forgiven us. This is what you have to do. And then Moshe Rabbeinu says, Aaron Achi, Kedai Vechashumi Meni, I don't know exactly what Rashi means, but I think Rashi is introducing the idea that the people, after all, they came to Moshe Rabbeinu, and they said, you didn't get the Shechina to dwell in the Mishkan. Aaron is going to do it. Aaron, look at him, look at his record. Look at what he's done. I mean, how can you say that Aaron is going to be our salvation? So Moshe Rabbeinu said, you'll see that Aaron will be your salvation. So it seems to be, he look at the first Rashi, let's look at the first Rashi again. So I would like to offer a solution for the variety of questions that have come up in learning this in learning this parasha. Aaron Hakoin made a mistake. He thought that the time that the Shekhinah was promised was after he finished the Avoda. So when he came down from the Mizbeah he was amazed that nothing had happened. That his day's work produced no more than Moshe Rabbeinu's day's work. But he knew he was promised that if he would do the avoda that day, if he would serve God in the Mishka, then Kvod Hashem would dwell in that place. And as we said, Matan Torah would be reinstituted. And Moshe Rabbeinu would continue to teach B'nai Yisrael the Torah that he would learn in the Oel Moed, in the desert. And when none of these things happened, when none of these things happened, Aaron HaKohen said to himself, it must be that there's either something wrong with me or something wrong with B'nai Yisrael. 
So in order to cure that, he gave them, he offered them, B'nai Yisrael, a bracha. Now either that bracha was Rashi's bracha of Yivarechecha Hashem Yishvarecha, or it was the Ramban's bracha, which is something more akin to the bracha of Shlom HaMelech. But both of those brachot, both of those brachot have to do with now. They're both brachot about how great things are now. Yivarech HaTashem, Yivarech HaTashem, Yishvarech now. Now. They're brachas of now. But when Moshe Rabbeinu had to give a bracha to B'nai Yisrael if they finished building the Mishkan, they built it. He said, That means the future. The Masayadayim of the future. So that according to, both according to the Rashi, and according to the Ramban, this is what I would say. Aaron Cohen made a mistake. He thought, he thought that the Mishka was the end of a path. Something that came to an end with the Mishka. But Moshe Rabbeinu redirected him. They came out together and they said a bracha together. And the bracha together was the bracha of Noah. And the bracha of Ahinoam is just like now, so too in the future. Just like now you have the bracha, you should have the bracha in the future as well. And that also was the sign of the prophecy, the sign of the prophecy in the Shira. I just want to, before I, 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 I say that, I want you to look at this Svasemis. Uh, you see the puzzle, the puzzle you were looking at. The puzzle we're looking at is Pasuk of Dalit. The last Pasuk. But they say, A fire came down on the Mizbeach. Everybody knew. Everybody knew that it had really happened. And that is Vayar Kol Ha'am Vayaronu. Vayar Kol Ha'am Vayaronu. What's Vayaronu? The word Rina. Rina is, or we used to say Rina Utfilah. It's the kind of song which is Tfilah. What's the ultimate song of Tfilah? Kriyat Yam Shiratayam. Shiratayam is, in our way of thinking about things, the ultimate poem. Now, what makes it the ultimate poem? Look at the Svatamet. Svatamet. Sayaronu. Velokatim Mamru. How could it be? The Jews are so happy, they're singing songs of praise to God. Why doesn't the Torah include them? Why does the Torah tell us what the words are? That's the ultimate song. So according to the Svatanet, when they went by Yaronu, they were singing God's praise because the fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. What song did they sing? Shirat Hayam. But when they when they sinned with the Chet Egel, they just had this. They just couldn't sing anymore. They they couldn't address themselves to God in that way anymore. He says, "The Remez says that the Zohar says 
דבשת ליד ים סוף, לאווה חדווה, כך הוא חדווה דיום השמיני. Now, what makes Shirat Hayam the greatest song of all times? How do we know that it's great? What's great about it? What's so great about it? Because the horses, the riders, they're all swimming around, they're drowning. What's so great about it? What's so great about it? So, we showed him saying, that's Shira. is great when it's nevuah. Nevuah is a word that describes closeness to God. There are many words that describe that. Close with nevuah is one of them. So what was the nevuah? What was the nevuah of Shirat Hayam? What was the nevuah of Shirat Hayam? Mikdash Hashem Konenu Yadecha Mazen Mikdash Hashem Konenu Yadecha that the people who were saved from the Egyptians, who witnessed Kriyati Yansuf, who were thank, thankful to Moshe Rabbeinu to HaKadosh Baruch all that had been done, were still able to think about how it should be. The future, that the end has not come yet, but the end is, Mikdash Hashem, has nothing to do with Shirat Yam. That tomorrow morning, when you dive in, You'll think about it. That pasuk, Mikdash Hashem Kodesh Yedecha, and then he do it Shirat Hayam, which is sort of thanksgiving about what happened to the Israel at that point. But what makes it a prophetic song is that it does not dissuade me from recognizing that there's a future obligation. That no matter how good I feel about myself, I'm not there yet. So, so when, when the Pesach says about B'nai Yisrael by Yaronu, they say Shirat Hayyam. That means that they understood that even though HaKadosh Baruch the fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice and therefore God's approval of what we're doing, they nevertheless did not lose sight of, of the future. Of the mikdash Hashem Kodenu Yadecha, and that was what Moshe Rabbeinu tried to explain to Aaron Akoy that this is not the time for Yevarech Hashem Yishvarecha, which is something you say every day about the day, but this is the time of mikdash Hashem Kodenu Yadecha, so that Aaron Akoy made a mistake. Aaron Akoy thought that was missing for the reason that God did not send down the fire from heaven was because he somehow was not, was not appropriate. He didn't do something appropriate, so he started saying, Birkat Kohanim. Moshe Rabbeinu explained to Aaron Akoin that that's not what it is. What you have to understand, Aaron Akoin, is that even though you're the Kohen, and even though you're in charge of the Mishkan, you can't take your eyes off of the Beit HaMikdash. Meaning, the future. 
what we will do in the future will be greater yet than what we do in the present. Thank you.